The following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Chris Holmes. How you doing, homie? Oh, I'm doing good. And just what we were just talking about, feeling a little lethargic from all the suits you had this <laughs> eight, <laughs> which was great. What with my buddy Dan... Um, to this place, it's called Tokyo Sushi in Champlin, off mm. of Zane and 610, everybody, out there in the Minneapolis area. Oh, <laughs> crap, it's so awesome. <laughs> so freaking good. I'm recovering, from, had... I'm recovering from last night, too, because <laughs> stayed up till Odark 30, tinkering with Fantasy Grounds, you bastard. Uh, yes, but we did fault. have a great time in our Terranoth game last night, too. Glorious, man. It was glorious. Had a, had a, had a nice uh, downtime session yeah. of people traveling around the city, getting rewards for their deeds that they did, getting paid, going to a mark, the various different markets, dealing with merchants, and topped it all off with a classic fight with a barn full of werewolves. <laughs> Yes, they were. <laughs> it was great. With, um, we'll have to see how the fate of my character, Vorn, comes. because Oh, yeah. yeah. In about five in-game days, he may have to make another saving throw. Or not saving throw. Sorry, Genesis. Another resistance or discipline or whatever the heck I had to roll. Resilience check. Resilience. What did I say? Resistance? But you failed the resilience check. You don't have to make another one. You have just five days of gestation before you start... Well, I, no, well, hang on a minute now. Hang on a minute now. <laughs> I failed it. Yes, <laughs> with an ass ton of advantage. <laughs> was it was it advantage or did I get a triumph? It was oh, all advantage. That's right. I got five advantage and a triumph though. No, uh, no, not on that roll. You were going to give me another another roll though. <sighs> and I yes. Get- I am giving you rolls to figure it out to get it cured before it happens. Oh, that's right. Remember, right. we talked about this. We yeah. were gonna do. We're gonna give you premonitions of what's to come. Of you, you know, things like yep. you craving meat all of a sudden, and you're <laughs> instead of it taking just two days for it to gestate, like I was mm-hmm. going to originally have it be, we pushed it out to five, yep. and then in game, and then we're gonna give you all these premonitions. Exactly. Of, so that Vorn might figure out that he has lycanthropy. And you know this. You know I, this kind of segues into the name of our episode too. Experience builds character. That's right. <laughs> it, you you gave me a re- you gave my character a reward there, Tony. <laughs> could be a reward. Although you were trying to become a virtuous knight, I don't know how you could do that and be a werewolf at the same time. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see. Though I did save five experience points just in case I had to. 
by the shapeshifter tail. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yes, and that's Very what nice. that's what our that's what the episode's going to be about: rewards, experience rewards, and other kinds of rewards that us as GMs or DMs would give our yep. characters. Yeah, this is a listener suggested uh, topic that. Uh, ah, forgive me, but the email got deleted, and I have no idea which one of you wonderful listeners suggested it. But you know who you are, and thank you very much. And we are here to talk about it. Because we get so many emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what it is, it sat in the folder to- too long and <laughs> auto-deleted. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Right. But other than that, um, let me see. So news for this week, not so much. Nothing. Nothing. But we All do right. have plenty of leader- listener feedback this week. Oh, we, we did get them. Uh, oh, they yeah. did rise to the challenge and give us some emails here. Sweet. Liking this one. Go so, ahead. Let's start with our first one from the one-eyed Pearson monster himself, Jamie Pearson. Thank you, dude. Listening to the latest episode and question for the show. How do you figure the fourth threat is the equivalent of a despair? Me personally, I've never done a trade-off like this, but I'm curious as to how you come to this. Also, when Matt did his Uncle Jay in a chicken mask thing during the advantageous threats, I would have said his rival was Peter Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, thanks for the email, Jamie. Um, And we talked with Jamie back and forth about this, but Mm -hmm. um, what I had said in the show, when you rolled in that advantageous threat, I believe it was I who rolled the fourth threat, but I said it is the effective equivalent of rolling a despair. Now, what I mean by that is if you look at almost all of your despair and threat charts in the books, there's overlap. Um, When you're spending one, two, three advantage, it gets to that three and four advantage. A lot of times you can do that with a uh, triumph also. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it tells you, you know, one, two, and then three threat, and then you get down to three or four threat, especially in like the combat one. Yeah, um, you are you're going to have some that are effectively similar. Now there are things that only a despair can do. There are things that only a triumph can do. I wouldn't. I don't let people upgrade difficulties uh, when they roll uh, a, a despair triumph or excuse me when they roll a lot of uh, advantage or a threat i don't let them do it that's the purvey of a despair or triumph or multiple despairs and triumphs but i will let them increase the difficulty for four advantage or four threat i will totally increase the difficulty by one die uh die because it makes sense um it's not an upgrade it's an extra die and you know there's some some things to be said about which which is you know, more difficult of a roll for the player, rolling more dice or rolling mm-hmm. dice that have, I think, honestly, an upgrade is always worse than an increase because an upgrade leads to despair or triumph. Yes, it uh, should say always more powerful than, not worse than. Mm-hmm. Um, choose my words properly when Jamie's listening. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, I, I, I totally see where he's coming from, too. And, yeah, there are those things that you should not trade off. You, the, I mean, the, 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 the um, despair and, and triumph should be unique and special. Totally. You 
and then um, in a narratively as well, you can narrative. You know, I always think of those being things that completely change the side of battle in a way, right? I mean, either the team evil or the or the good guys, right? We'll get the right. we'll get a, a a definite benefit out of it, narratively or mechanically, how we're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when I mean four threat, when four threat or even four advantage come up, yeah, that's pretty rare too. Um, I, I look at the prime example for me of um, one of those unique situations where only a triumph would work when you're casting a spell and you don't put the deadly or yeah the deadly is sure. it deadly yes. yes you don't put the deadly uh augment or not augmentation but um modification modification uh, yep to your spell your spell the only way it's going to crit is if you roll a triumph i don't care if you roll seven advantage you're going to have to spend that seven advantage in other ways mm-hmm. you're not going to crit unless you get a triumph because it says so implicitly in the rules yeah. that you have a triumph unless you apply this modifier mm-hmm. to the spell. So um, it's one of those rules where if it states implicitly, this is something that a triumph can do, or this is something that a despair will do, I don't let the equivalence, you know, that equivalence happen. But if it's, I mean, narratively, when you look at it, someone rolled five advantage. Oh, I'm going to give, you don't want, well, the last thing I want is, I rolled. I have a player that rolled seven advantage the other day in a game. I won't know. I can't remember who it is, but I'm looking at him. Um, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> rolls seven advantage in a game. What are you going to do with all that? Are you going to do something really cool? No, you're as you're going to come up with a really cool narrative, one really cool narrative, and then you're going to parse that out with game mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hold on a second. Apologies, I was coughing there. Um, what I was saying was is that uh, you're going to parse that out with game mechanics. So you'll you'll add boost dice here and there. You're, you'll uh, maybe increase uh, someone else's uh, difficulty to do something, or maybe you mm-hmm. will give the enemy uh, setback dice as well as giving boost dice to friends, or maybe even doing things like knocking down an opponent, making them prone, things like that. Disarming all them, those, those kinds of things. They drop their weapons, yeah. Yeah, all of those things are narrative, but they have game mechanics that come into it. Yeah. And I just would never let the game mechanics of a tri- uh, of threat and advantage uh, do things that only a triumph and a despair could do mechanically. Yep, yep. And I'm pretty much along the same lines with you. Yeah. I don't really have much to add to that. You could have the same narrative for both. You rolled a triumph and you have all the same, you know, oh, I rolled a triumph and so I knocked the guy down and he's on his butt and he's staggered. Okay fine um you know a triumph and that much you know maybe that was two triumphs but uh but say you rolled seven advantage you could do the same thing just doing it with little chunks here and there yep yep all right so that was that one Mm -hmm. and then next we had from michael mccullishan oh wow that's again remember him i remember him yeah that's good Yep, he says, hello again. First off, thank you for featuring my last message. The paste bin link has received a few thousand hits since you last featured it. What? So, cool. <laughs> Those 10 Addition- listeners must have been hitting the sh- clicking the shit out of that link then. Right? I, I, <laughs> either that or they've got bots out there doing it on the interweb. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you got thousands of hits because of us. That's great. 
Yeah. Additionally, I, I quite enjoyed your attempts at pronouncing my name, especially with the Irish interpretation. Keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Did we get it? Um, did you get it right, <laughs> or no? Uh, I don't know. He didn't say. But uh, so this week I'm going to do it with a Japanese accent, which is Michael Mikolishin. There you go, Mike. <laughs> Enjoy that one. For the record, that is not racist because I have a Japanese grandmother. So I just did it as well as I could to try and mimic her voice. <laughs> no, you sounded good. You sounded like one of those samurai that I watched on Thirteen Assassins the other night. Yeah, sweet kick, movie. Kick oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, uh, it says I come. I come with another resource you and my fellow listeners would be interested in. I created a series of special rules for the Genesis system. Okay. Like yeah, I'm taking a, a look at some of these. Pretty interesting. Yeah, epic melee rules, nations and organizations as characters, random tables with narrative dice. And I also have some rules ported over from the Star Wars system, like beast riding and combat, mass combat base construction and buildings in combat uh tier six signature talents yeah those signature <laughs> abilities which are kind of like those heroic abilities but not quite where these so, signature talents come in after you've selected a couple of tier tier six tier five talents it's right. cool it's pretty cool i i gave him two I, maybe three thumbs up on this one. Yeah, I yeah. gave a good look at that. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good. So he also says here, give a look over as I know they will enhance someone's gameplay. Comment mode is on, so anyone can feel free to improve the document. Just oh, wow. ice nice. and 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 he sent us a link. Yep. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. Now we'll put the link in our show notes. And I do want to say, Absolutely. people keep it civil. Say nice things. Guy's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And, you know, I mean, as far as the, you know, I'll tell you what's, what, what was really interesting was his nations and organizations of characters. Did you take a look at that? Yeah. It's, yeah. That's an interesting take on it where you can do combat as a company. What? Yeah. And he's, yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm not going to really say anything else, but go on in there. It's very interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. <clears throat> well done, Michael. Last but not least, yes, from probably my favorite YouTube listener name in forever, <laughs> the Captain Chunk. There you go. Over on YouTube, left a comment on one of our episodes. It says, "How do you use minis with Genesis? Do you use a grid?" Um, and I responded right there, but I also uh, told uh, wanted to talk about it here on the show. So I, I have kind of a uh, rule of thumb, kind of my own method. If I do throw down a map, which is the rare occasion that I'm at a table and I throw down a map. For and Genesis. I'm, yes, for Genesis. Mm -hmm. And it does have a grid on it. I, I First of all, I eyeball. But my eyeball automatically counts as I'm going. <laughs> and so anything within two squares is going to be engaged range. Anything within roughly four squares is going to be uh, short range, anything roughly within eight squares, you see what's going on here, it's getting exponential, mm -hmm. is medium range, out to 16 is long, and then out to 32 is extreme range. Now, that's just a rule of thumb. I don't always use it because if sometimes I want an encounter to be more – um, I want a larger space to look – or I want a, a, a larger space to look smaller. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So – 
um, I will only make those squares maybe go out to medium range, or I will make them or long range, or in the like a whole room. Even though there, it goes out to twenty squares, it's all long range from one end to the other. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so then I just kind of eyeball it from there. There is no specific rules on this, and and honestly, what works for you, but that works for me. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Um, well, what I've what I've done normally because with these. With the relative range bars that you have, I mean, the kind of the more abstract ranges you have in Genesis, really what you want to what you want to use the miniatures for is relative position between characters, if you want, right? Characters and the bad guys. Like, oh, he's to the left of me, he's to the right from me, and you can quickly see it when you lay down miniatures. That might you could use a grid. You don't necessarily have to, um, but if you do use a grid. If, I, if I'm not using a grid and I'm throwing miniatures down, typically it's theory of mind. It's like, okay, here's kind of where you guys are. Here's where the bad guys are. Um, when I am using a grid, I think of, yes, being a DM that I am, I'm thinking of, um, you know, the 30-foot, you know, range increments of bows or something. So for me, yeah, anything within a square or two. Um, is engage range anything within say the 30 feet or i guess on a grid typically it's like six squares um would be short range anything between 30 and 90 feet maybe is medium range and then um anything between 90 and maybe 300 feet because bows can shoot up to like 300 feet in these in like D and whatever would be long range and everything anything over 300 is just your extreme ranges and stuff and beyond um that's kind of what i do and also what i do is when i do if i am setting up the scene and i do have a map i say from this end to this end is medium range yep. figure it out you know what i mean so, or whatever um, right so then the halfway point would be short exactly. and then everything within basically anything within uh reach of you is mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be uh, engaged range. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you know you really don't want to um, bog down the game too much, um, drawing things out. And I know some of us like to do that, and that's totally cool. Um, I was just doing it the other night, running um, Tomb of Horrors and stuff. But really, getting the or- orienting your players to the area of interest of what's going on is pretty much what all you need to do, and then it'll go from there. Yep. So, so thank you, Cap Junk. And we've got more coming from him in the future. I just didn't have time uh, time to put uh, every comment he's put on our YouTube uh, up here. He's got some good ones. So uh, thank you all for the emails and messages. We have more to come in the future. We're going to sit on a couple of them because some of them have show suggestions in them. And we're going to do those in the future. But what we have done Mm -hmm. is something cool. You can also, you can kind of call it, could be 50 pieces of awesome. Hell yeah, we have a new show segment, folks. Yes, we do. We're going to jump over on into that. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Um, This segment, this new segment, is going to be called 50 Pieces of Awesome this phrase i kind of use all the time <laughs> and um basically i'm gonna fi- i find something cool on the internet and i share it with you yep. G- genesis related 
I mean, right. there's a lot of cool stuff on the internet, but <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is uh, this segment is created by the fact that Chris keeps sending me all these emails about all these cool things that he finds on on uh, on the internet. He he shares them with me, and I'm like, this is sweet, this is great. But I want to share them with you, listeners. So I've created this show segment to let Chris showcase his 50 pieces of awesome to things to to you, the listener. So what what did you have for us this week, Chris? All right, yeah. Um, well, this week, this is something. So the first, so when I saw these show notes the other day, I'm like, oh, new segment, mine, awesome. Let's do this. Um, the first thing that actually popped in my mind was something um, up on the up on the Genesis forums by Makiwa. He or she, I believe there looks like there's a female icon there, so her or he, doesn't matter, um, created something called Warships and Merchant Ships of the Age of Sail. Now, I've played some um, Age of Sail role-playing um, in... in um, what Savage is Worlds. In Savage Worlds, yeah, I did the 50 Fathoms and um, what is uh, Pirates of the... Pirates of the Spanish Main, and there was also another one out, Solomon Kane. I think I ran, I had a couple of sessions of that too. So this really pulled my um, interest, and oh my gosh, this is a pretty cool, um, pretty cool document that um, okay. that Makiwa has created here. Now the last time it was updated, let me open it up real quick. I should have had it open, but let me open it up real quick. Um, the last time it was open, oh, it was updated was in May. Um, okay. and man, there was a lot, there's a lot of information in here too. So, um, first off, awesome layout. You did a great job organizing this information, making it feel kind of like age of sale ish. If you want, um, it's, um, kind of an old typewriter esque font that, that, that he used, um, that she used and, um, so that was pretty cool. There are some special special rules for like special ammunition where you have like your grape shot hated heated shot i didn't even know heated shot existed um and chain bar chain in your bar shots where you wanted to like take out masks and then there's also um rules that they put in here for operating with no mast the handling those kinds of things um so that's awesome um and then each entry has like a short paragraph mm-hmm. of all of these ships. I mean, a lot of ships. Oh, even oh, even put in here crewman minion stats. Pretty nice. Sweet. We got coercion, melee, perception, operating, range, light, and vigilance. Perfect. Everybody has a pistol and a cutlass. Simple. Nice. Three soaks, nice, five nice. wounds, and then twos across the board. One in presence. One melee defense. I love it. Um, and then so for each. Warship. So for each ship here, different categories of ships. There's like a paragraph or two describing it. There's a photo, which is very. Um, you could quickly see. Oh wow, this is what it is, and it kind of gets you into the gets you into that feeling. Um, then there, of course, the normal the normal stats. You know, you have your silhouette, speed, armor, hit threshold, that kind of stuff. Defense. Um, also, there's consumables. I think that's in other. I think that's also in other um, stat blocks, but, you know, like two months. Um, encumbrance capacity of 50, um, crew complement, um, top speed in knots, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and then what's sweet, 
which is really what really takes this to a whole new level, are the number of decks. Uh huh. And yes, everybody, you can have everything, anything from a Silhouette 3, single masted cutter, to a Silhouette 7, ship of the line, the HM- HMS Victory, complete with all 104 guns. And the way it's wow. set up, yeah, the way that it's set up is each deck has a certain number of guns on it. The size of the guns, the damage, the range, the number of crits, the number of um, advantage it takes to do a crit, and then using those optional those vehicle rules from the main from the main um, from the main book um, to do firing broadsides and firing all these sh- guns is just cool. It really is cool. And at the very end, rules on building a deck with nice cannons on it. So. Um, Wonderful document. Highly recommend it. I'll definitely be putting the putting it in our show notes. So, Makiwa, thank you, and we award you 50 pieces of awesome this week. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. So, we're going to move on over into the book of Genesis, and we are going to discuss our listener topic, experience. And uh, what's the name of this episode again? Oh, yeah. Experience builds character. Yep. All right, folks, welcome to the book of Genesis. There, I did it too, Chris. Oh, you did it so much better than me, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> Why have you been doing this? I don't know. It's my <laughs> angelic voice, maybe. I don't know. 13 episodes in, and that's the first. Oh, 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 we've heard from you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is uh, we're going to talk about, because um, I wish I could remember who suggested it. I thought it was a great suggestion at the time, but suggestions on rewarding your PCs for their hard-earned efforts, what, how much XP to give, when to give it, um, money. Are there ways to reward that? Rewarding items, things like that. So we're going to talk about rewards well, in Genesis. And rewarding lycanthropy, too. Yeah. All right. Some of so, you might think that's a reward. <laughs> Could be the Some gift play- that keeps on giving. Every player I've ever made a vampire or a werewolf has considered it a reward, <laughs> even when they were a paladin previously. And I must say, and I must say, I, I I did not I did not spend a story point to upgrade my check. Uh, Remember, yeah. I did not do that. Yeah, if you had, might have made a difference. You could have. <laughs> you haven't hawed over for a minute or two. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, over on page 125 in the GM section, we have this. This this is all we have in the book as far as guidelines uh-huh. on how to award XP is a little sidebar. And I, I'm going to read what the book says entirely, and then we'll give our own. Is it going to be in that Japanese accent again? I dare you. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I, although, although I do channel my grandmother well, mm-hmm. um, not everyone wants to hear me yell Maki Donalds 14 our, times. Our, 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 five, <laughs> our five or ten listeners out there are going, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because okay, cool. most, most of my mimicking her Japanese accent is her yelling at kids because that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she did a lot of that when we were young. <laughs> awesome. Chasing us down the street with a cane. Uh, she's so much fun. Um, wonderful. Uh, she's 97, going to be nine, 98 next month. What? She's... Yeah, she's up there. All right, so um, it says here, uh, awarding experience points after each session. One of the uh, 
fun things about RPGs is how characters grow and improve over time. We do this by awarding experience at the end of each session. Players receive this this experience and then can spend it to improve their characters. At about at the end of three to five hours of gaming, we recommend you give each player twenty XP. If you want your players can improve their characteristics more quickly. If you want them to, then give them twenty-five. If you like slower improvements, then give them fifteen. So we have a slow track, a middle average track, and a fast track. Um, uh, shorter sessions should be also be awarded five XP less, and longer sessions could be five XP more. Uh, we can explain this. Or we can explain how to spend the experience on page forty-four. So, yeah, um, that's a good rule of thumb. There's also another one that comes from Star Wars, and a lot of GMs I know that use this. Uh, just go with five XP for every hour of gaming. Uh, if you have a six-hour uh, session, then give 30 XP. Mm-hmm. It's a easy way to do it. Um, and if it's a really good session, chuck on an extra 5 XP. If it's a really boring session and everybody's like, Meh, and it's mostly the player's fault, give them less. <laughs> <laughs> or none at all. <laughs> Darn it. No. It, it, no I'm kidding. Oh, uh, got a right I, word. Yeah, no, I always give the uh, average, and then if they ha- if I have a really cool session, I'll tack on an extra five. Yep. But um, yeah, um, even if it was a boring session, yeah, eh, give them the average. Mm-hmm. And and if you're if you are, yeah, that's true. That is true. And if um, and if you're worried out there, GMs, about rewarding XP and having players who don't show up and their characters not getting that XP, I'll tell you, if you've played played this game as long as we have. If there's a 60 to even 80 experience point difference between characters, you're really not going to see that much. You don't notice it. You really it's won't not notice like, it. It's not like D-Shift-7D systems out there with a hit point attrition where you've got – if you've got that much yeah. XP difference of like three levels and the, that guy's going to have 20 to 30 extra hit points, it's not going to matter No, it really uh, isn't. like that. And even um, if you're worried about, oh, am I giving too much? Who cares? Because yeah. because really, this isn't this isn't um, like an exponential power creep Mm-mm. game. As you get more and more experience points, um, there are kind of thresholds, you know, kind of out there um, where you might see a difference after about you know a hundred XP or maybe a hundred and fifty XP. As I find, to after hundred and fifty, after about hundred and fifty, you mm-hmm. move into like a middle tier. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah. of course, when you're looking at like games like Terranoth, where they have um, those very cool heroic talents, abilities. heroic oh. abilities, yep. you get past that 150 mark. Now you have people who can do their heroic ability like awesomely and <laughs> do it mm-hmm. multiple times in a session, and can do it without spending two story points and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah. yeah there you get the there are increments of of mm-hmm. Uh, XP, um, I like to call them kind of milestones. I know Chris does too. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, so yeah, but uh, there isn't really a, a problem with handing out. What I do, my rule, if if someone sloughs off a session, just decides not to show, which rarely ever happens, I just don't give them XP. But if I have someone who 
wanted to be there and last minute got called into work or you know uh we had a player that couldn't play all of a sudden because it was his wife's birthday i'm not gonna punish them if we have a really good session i might give them half the xp i gave the the Mm -hmm. players that week um just because you know it keeps the players in a in the ballpark um they're not going to be all the same but they're all going to be close so you're not worrying about oh hey uh, so-and-so, you know, I didn't throw show for three sessions, so I don't want to play anymore because I'm so far behind. Because right. I actually have had a player who refuses to refuse to play after three sessions because he was too far behind. And I'm like, it really doesn't matter in the system. No, it doesn't. Do it. Yeah, and, you know, uh, you know, saying that, Tony, it made me think of another tip um, that I don't think we have in the show notes here is keep track of your earned XP, everybody. Mm. Because starting XP is different based on the species or races that you that you pick. So like my dwarf starts with 90. A human starts with 110. So when we're saying, oh, I've, I've got 200 XP. Well, why do you have 220? Well, because he started off with 20 more. You know what I mean? So keep that, keep it and keep it as earned XP as your gauge, you know, instead yeah, what of total I, XP. What I try to do is um, I will have... Uh, it on the character sheets you have the bottom okay you've got your xp remaining to be spent and your xp spent mm-hmm. and on the spent side it'll have two lines it'll or it'll be two there'll be character creation xp and then there'll be earned xp and ah, that's it nice. i just keep it in two separate categories there when i've been doing it for characters cool. um, separated by a you know a slash you don't have to be super however you do it fancy about it mm-hmm. But yeah, you should keep them separate because the earned XP is where you get these milestones in some of the games like Terranoth and mm-hmm. your your Primeval Fool setting and in my um, in your Middle Earth setting. My Middle Earth, yes, we have milestones. So, mm-hmm. so we'll talk uh, about in setting the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do we spend XP? How do we spend XP? Well, how we would spend XP is first we'd go to page forty-four in the book. Mm-hmm. All right. Which would probably be, darn it, it didn't go to page 44. There it is. That would be page 45 in the PDF. Oh, yeah, it is page 45 in the book, actually. Yeah. But so, um, it's where the chart is. Yeah, so the chart on page 45, mm-hmm. um, you could spend it um, by on your ranks and skills. Or you could purchase talents. You can't. Okay. You can't. Even though on this table, this this table two dash one, you can only spend um, XP on characteristics at character creation. Right. Okay. So how you increase a skill would be whatever rank you want to increase your skill to. You multiply that by five. So if you want to go from from one to two, that'll be ten XP. If it's a career skill. If it's not a career skill, you would just add tack on another five XP to that. Okay. okay. So if I wanted to have a little chart on my character sheet for career skills um, on the back of your character sheet, just write rank one five, rank two ten, rank three fifteen, rank four twenty, and then for non career skills, it's ten, fifteen, 15 20, 20, 20, 25, 20. 30. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. That's a good way of doing it. Yep. Um, and then. Um, 
purchasing talents is the another an, another thing that that you can choose, and mm-hmm. that is five times the tier of the talent. And before you, and again, before you purchase a talent, excuse me, of say tier two, you need to have um, a greater number of tier one talents um, than the tier two talents after you've purchased it. So you have to have at least two tier one talents. You buy your tier, sorry, you have to leave two tier one talents and then buy a tier two talent. And then it just kind of goes up from there. Yeah, the talent pyramid, which we have discussed mm-hmm. in previous show. All right, so that's pretty simple. Spending XP is easy, okay? Spending Hoarding XP. Feel free to do it, but don't do it for long because you will end up hurting yeah. yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, are there any other ways to spend XP in this game? Not mm-hmm. via by the rules as written here. Not rules as written. But there are other th- systems that we can port over from other games. There's the battle scars from, um, oh yes, from Star Wars, where that you can spend cool. XP on. Uh, if you received a critical hit, you can spend XP to gain talents. Mm-hmm. Now, in that system, it was to gain a talent that was outside of uh, your tier, outside of your tree. So mm-hmm. you could just buy toughness. Uh, or in this case, mm-hmm. in this case, if I were to port that system over, because it uses the the talent pyramid, I would probably um, keep it at uh, the talents can be either a tier one or two talent, and mm-hmm. you know you'll basically you'll get one. I wouldn't really go too far, but you'll get one for the the you know maybe a. A discounted price or something? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't I really. Think what know. they did. I think what they did over there was, the more severe of the crit you took, the mm-hmm. cheaper the talent was. That's what it was. That's I right. I think that's what it was. So like a like a like a daunting critical, um, was tw- was five XP, but a easy critical was twenty XP. Gotcha. I think gotcha. it was something along those lines. Um, yeah, that was a, that's a cool system. Yeah, and, then if and you, so there, there's other things that you can. I mean, mm-hmm. as GMs, you can create a, a type of reward system if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there's um, an in-game reward system. Maybe you have uh, a talent that you put out there that you costs you know five XP that you can put investments, and it's just something where the character you know is going to gain monetary funds. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that uh, depends on your game. Yep. So that segues segues us into monies. Oh yes. So there is nothing that tells us what monies to give, um, and, and even how much. <laughs> I tend to give very little money as a GM. Um, I will whatever someone in offers the players money to complete a task. I will pay them that much. And as far as finding money laying around, I don't normally do that. Um, usually my rewards are more substantial. Um, it's either because, oh, honestly, yeah. any anything the players find along the way in the hands of someone they kill is going to be equipment that they're going to sell <laughs> or use. Yeah. So Absolutely. why why do I not give them money? Because if I make them lug 
money around, they can lug a lot more money around than they can swords. Mm-hmm. So you you pick up a great sword, you're going to lug around a great sword. You pick up and you yep. you know it's going to be worth three hundred silver or whatever it's worth. Or and, you can trade it in for a bow, like or you could yeah right? <laughs> that allows <laughs> for interactions with NPCs to be trading to be. Um, yeah. Uh, negotiating, using skills that players don't normally use very often. So I try to give more physical, tangible rewards than just money, silver, gold, mm-hmm. units, credits, whatever it may be, depending mm-hmm. on the system. And and it kind of depends uh, on the genre as well. So if you so if you're porting over a system or a genre like I don't know Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even Primeval Thule, ba ba ba. You know, you <laughs> might, if your players are interested in settings like that, they're interested in maybe a more gritty setting, where they are scratching and clawing at stuff. So maybe the rewards of money, the finding money, is a huge reward to them, even though it's maybe a couple copper, because that means yeah. they're going to put food in their mouth now. Do you want to play that kind of game? That's totally up to you. I mean, every you know mileage may vary on all of this, so right. it's however you want to turn that dial. You could dial it up to eleven or crank it to mute. <laughs> like in my Tony's personal, case, right? He's making <laughs> <the> money. <laughs> no, I mean you give a, you gave a plenty amount of money. We're getting some, and we had um, <laughs> yeah, my character was able to spend plenty <laughs> while he was <laughs> trying to. F- Fine. Oh, and you know what? That's a perfect... There, there, there's a nice little thing. Another cut type of reward. So here's an example. Like last night, my character, a couple of our characters wanted to create like this bear strength potion, right? So we had mm-hmm. to go find a very rare wine to take out to take to this dryad because she had the recipe. And we were going to use alchemy to create the thing. Well, okay, so we had to go down to the seedier side of town and buy these thimbles of this... Fay wine, and yeah, much hilarity ensued <laughs> after that. But we were rewarded after spending all of our money, <laughs> and others gaining more money. We won't say who, Jen, and Puss uh, <laughs> in Boots. <laughs> um, they won't say how either. But um, but um, we, our reward was that recipe. And or, or you know the the um it was the recipe after that fact mm-hmm. you know after we took it out there which we which we pretty much narr- we, it was more narrative than anything you know right. we got the recipe and we were able to make some some potions which was pretty cool and you know I haven't really had one of those types of sessions before where you know low combat high social interaction and getting things done and being rewarded with cool magic items and stuff that's that was a great session last night so. And because we're rewarded with stuff, and that's what this is about. <clears throat> right. Um, and so, yeah, you can reward your players with um, more tangible rewards like that. Recipes for alchemical potions. Mm-hmm. Um, templates for a new starship. Templates for a new starship. Uh, or, or engine for a starship. Or uh, Oh, yeah. A new engine for a starship that their mechanic can install that makes your ship go one speed category faster, mm-hmm. but it makes it go sp- faster than a stock freighter, and it takes up no hard points. You know things like that. That's exactly. the kind of rewards that you could mm-hmm. do, and you can you could totally relate and create a whole adventure 
getting a reward such as that, right, Tony? I mean, you could go to, sure, you know, sure. go steal. You know, you heard of a a rival smuggler gang is developing this item, this item or something, or you want to go steal the plans from some plant, um, that starship plant that's making this or something. You know, some sort of mm-hmm. you know internal corporate espionage going on. That could be a fun adventure, and go get it. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Um, item attachments. There's another thing. Um, mm-hmm. Not just starship attachments, but weapon attachments. You know, there are lots of weapon attachments out there. And a lot of your players, uh, there's a joke going around the Nerds International community, players don't read anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of players don't read the the book of Terranoth or the book of the wonderful book of Genesis. They don't read all of these books. They don't go through the attachment section like GMs do and go, okay, this is really cool. Um, well, I'll tell you this right now, just to give you a little hint there, Tony. Hint, hint, hint. Nudge, nudge, nudge. Um, you know, if a character such as a dwarven um, warrior, such as my character, would uh, want a say an ironbound rune to put in his mm-hmm. armor, it's a it's a it's a rarity ten item, and it has no price. So you know what? Doesn't matter how much money Tony rewards my character, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to have to go find that sucker somewhere. It might be end of the campaign before the big bad evil guy end of the campaign if that's what he has planned for us. I don't know um, mm-hmm. that I actually find this rune, but he's constantly maybe trying to find it now. Um, yeah, and then that's yeah, something as players there. go out there, see something you want. You know it might be unattainable, but it's going to be something. Hey a motivation for your character to not mm-hmm. sit around on his laurels and be out adventuring mm-hmm. i'm there's a there's a i don't know who wrote it a long time ago but rich people don't adventure okay <laughs> the reason why the reason why i don't give my players a lot of money is because they tend to stay in cities and not go adventuring they don't go out and do quests and stuff like that if you don't they're flush with money um if you keep them poor keep them hungry uh they will go for more <laughs> um yeah, but uh, you know that's just a that's a running joke. But uh, yeah, uh, I have a little uh, GM pro tip I'd like to share here. So, um, when you're uh, putting loot on NPCs, uh, things that the NPCs are going to have that the characters are going to find, or maybe a something that's in a chest, um, a good limiter is using the rarity of the item as opposed to its cost as a limiter on the loot item rarity three or less at character creation. Um, so, um, a lot of times the, the, anything higher than that, they'd have to role play finding it basically, uh, increasing the rarity level available every hundred earned XP to a maximum of eight or nine. When it comes to rarity level 10 things, they're usually not priced. Um, And, and, and so those things are going to be once in a campaign or even twice in a campaign type rewards that give to your players. Um, And, you know, keep it, keep it fair. You know, if you give your uh, scout a dagger that talks to an alien intelligence, then maybe you also give your, um, your dwarven fighter some gauntlets that allow him to punch werewolves in the nuts. You know, um, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep your uh, keep your uh, uh, awards 
generally fair across the party. But um, and, and in the case like I did last night in our adventure, um, I'm going to use that as an example. I created magic items for Terranoth using the templates that they have for uh, magic items in, in the Terranoth book. I created individual ones, even just took some of the book ones and gave them new individualized names and then drew up a really nice description of the item. Mm-hmm. Now, these are now items. I mean, we had a player, a good example, Puss, our cat folk. She had an elven bow that was magical. They gave her – the bow was awesome. Yeah. It, but she was given this other awesome bow by the church that rewarded the players for finding an evil artifact. She was given this other awesome boat that was equally awesome. And instead of going, I don't know which boat, she immediately took the new one because it was a gift. Yes. Players will keep gifts given to them by NPCs for a long time. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. if, even, if it's, even if it is a mundane uh, item, but it's got a couple of cool extra qualities, like it's just neatly crafted. You know, maybe it's more mm-hmm. accurate, or maybe it's superior quality. Oh, yeah. Anything like that, um, if it's given to them by an NPC as a reward for something they did, they tend to keep it. Yeah. So, just Absolutely. keep. Uh, so, you have any trip tips there, Chris? Um, you know, my the one that I have that I that I wrote and I've been kind of thinking about this whole time as well is um, listen to your players as they kibitz amongst each other's at the table. You'll mm-hmm. get ideas. They'll give you ideas. Just listen to them. When they're talking about that, you know, um, listen to what they want their characters to, what they're doing with their characters, where they may want to take their characters or something like that. Um, maybe items that they go to the market to buy. I don't know. If we have if we have somebody saying, oh man, my armor kind of sucks, I need better armor. Eh. Put that in your mental Rolodex. You know that that item means something to them or something. Um, mm-hmm. But you'll just hear you'll 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 hear it. You'll trust me when you when you tune it now. <laughs> now that I've said it and you've heard me say it, I think a couple times now. Listen to your players. You'll start hearing them because yep. I've all of a sudden I'm like, oh wow, I said it out loud. Oh, I didn't know there was a water tower there, and now every time I drive by the damn water tower, I see it. So, <laughs> and I never realized it before. You know. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Well, yeah, folks, that's pretty much it for giving rewards. There, I mean, there's another cool reward, not really tangible, but t- titles, things like that, lands, things like that. If you're, you know, oh. if you're in a middle medieval setting, mm-hmm. you know, knighting we were, someone is kind of a cool deal. We were knighted <laughs> last night, and I immediately changed my name in in um in uh what do you call it in fantasy grounds there to Sir Vorn. That's right. Uh, yeah, you're gonna call me Sir. I'm a knight, yo. <laughs> I'm a knight of the River Watch, boy. Yeah, the river watch. All right, awesome. so that is it. All right, so on to setting the tone, then, Tony. Sure. All right, so in setting the tone. Um, we're going to talk about our two settings here and how we've applied experience points, spending experience points, rewarding experience points, what that kind of means in our settings. Um, Tony, do you want to go first? 
Sure. Uh, so in Middle Earth, um, well, it's not. I'm, I'm not doing anything different other than we kind of alluded to it before. I turned the virtues into something that the characters gain when they hit XP milestones. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever they hit a 50-point XP milestone, so every 50, 100, 150, 200 earned XP, they're going to get a virtue. Um, from their from their um, oh, culture. So, in you know, if you look at you know the, the stuff from Cubicle Seven, that means like for dwarves, they have like um, the the runes. Um, if they have rune casting, they also have um, one that they can do that uh, makes them better in battle. Each one of them's a little different, and like in the rune casting one, it's even got three different tiers to it so you can learn a new rune uh with each one so um yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) they're not nice they're not they're not super involved most of the time the early ones that you can get are a boost die here and there or uh, a skill uh, a rank and a skill that you wouldn't normally have things like that gotcha cool yeah well, let's see. That so, was easy. Yeah, that was easy for you. Um, well, so for me, I'm, I've got something similar going on. Um, in Primeval Thule, um, milestones for the narratives. So in Primeval Thule, when I create your character, one of the part of the character creation process is creating a narrative. Picking a narrative for your character. So, for instance, um, if you pick um, Bearer of the Black Book, you know, there's something that has arcane magic. Um, they have this single black book that they want to protect. And at character creation, they get this arcane familiarity. You get a boost out of arcane checks. You have this eldritch power where once a session, you can have one success and one automatic threat on, or sorry, one automatic advantage on an arcana skill check when casting a spell. Well, when you hit milestone one, you get something called hidden insight where you will always reduce the difficulty of the dispel type by one. Um, and again, the milestones that I have um, were, if, you, if you're more on like a quicker campaign's pace, milestone one would be at 100 XP. Um, milestone two would be at 250 XP. Um, the normal, a normal campaign pace would be at 200 XP, you would get milestone one, and at 400 earned XP, you'd get milestone two, and then slow would be 300 and 600 earned XP. And then, okay. um, so I but have yours only has the two, the, the, the three two tiers mile, to it. The three tiers, right? At character creation, milestone one, and then milestone two. And it's one of those things where if anybody out there picks this up and wants to roll with it and add more milestone tiers, feel free. Um, the other thing that I did, and I didn't have it in the show notes, and I just thought about it right now, was the only other thing that I'm doing in tier that I'm doing in Primeval Thule that you can spend experience points on is what I call merits and hindrances. Mm, yeah, I forgot about okay. those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Until we were just talking about this, um, let me go down to it to give you guys some examples. Um, so, so they're very much like merits and flaws from like White Wolf system, basically, where you yes. you're you're gonna you take a flaw, it gives you XP or a hindrance. You you spend XP on a merit. Yes, and at character creation, they're they're only given at character creation where you have to spend them, um, and they could be something used 
as a quote unquote gift <laughs> from a, a reward, maybe from a um, from a GM or something like that, or um, even a result of a critical hit in the case of a flaw. There you go. Absolutely. Um, so you could purchase up to twenty experience points of hindrances when you create your characters, and you can mm-hmm. either, and they're either five XP or ten XP. Um, and then you can then you have merits that you can spend as many as you want. There's minor and major ones. So let's see an example of a hindrance. A um, I have a major hindrance here called frail. The character has an amazingly weak constitution. Add a boost die or add a setback die to all resilience checks and add ten to all critical hit rolls against them. It's as if they've you know they've got you know they're like I don't know Mr. Glass. Right, mm. um, and then there's a minor one here um, called heavy sleeper, which is kind of like how I am. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, requires a significant amount of light, noise, or movement to awaken. Once awakened, the character suffers an additional um, setback die to all rolls for the encounter that awakened him. For instance, and that's a minor one that would give, grant you five experience points to be spent on something else like a merit. And an example of a merit would be. Um, herbalist, minor. The character knows more than the average person about herb craft and gains um, a boost die to all medicine checks. Very nice. A major one would be, and this is something that I think, yeah. And then, the, another, then an example of maybe a major one um, would be gifted. The character is extremely talented in one particular skill. Choose one skill and add a boost die to all skill checks with that skill. And it becomes a career skill if it's not already. And you can't purchase it more than once. And it um, may not be purchased to benefit a skill that already receives a bonus from another merit. So you can't purchase it. Um, basically, you can really only be gifted in one thing. You know what I mean? So, But you can change that if you guys want to. So very cool, dude. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That's other things you can spend your experience points on. Or reward people with. Reward your players with. There you go. For two. Cool. Okay. Well, that's it for setting the tone. We're going to move on over into advantageous threats. So, welcome to your favorite section of the show and ours uh advantageous threats this is where chris and i do a little scenario roll some dice have some fun um yeah i i'm gonna start off here with uh, a carryover from last session um oh, yeah my character hemlock jones the kung fu using pi i love that seven, name dude i love that I, name <laughs> i i do have a, a knack for naming um yeah uh in a 70s crime game is fighting off a minion group of four now five armed thugs in a back alley using the street tough uh, npcs on page 134 of the genesis core book um we're behind a bar i don't know if i said that but hemlock has a brawn three and a brawl three talents multiple opponents and master a brawling uh, he survived his first round, taking six of 14 wounds and five strain. Uh, and it is his turn in round two. He must succeed 
at a daunting athletics check or coordination or remain immobilized because they kind of climbed on top of him. Oh, there is that. Circled him. Yeah, he, he can't move. <laughs> so uh, he chooses instead to stand his ground and fight, hoping to generate enough triumph and advantage to negate that uh, immobilized uh, from previously. So, <laughs> so in this case, Hemlock has a brawn of three, so he's going to have uh, a brawn of three, so it's going to give him three dice, okay. and a brawl of three, so those three are going to be upgraded to yellow dice. So I'm digging in my dice bag here, and I'm not finding anything yellow. They must be all down at the bottom. There's well, two. I'm trying to find a street tough here. Uh, page 134, them. home slice. I've got them. You mean right, 135, so, PDF-wise? No. <laughs> so built in uh, for a brawl check, it is two purple difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, my uh, my GM has uh, um, probably uh, given me at least one setback die for the rain, I do believe it was. There was one I for the rain. Was. Yep, there was Split one surface. for the rain. And um, because you know, now granted, this is a this is a group of guys. It's typically it is it is typically a brawl. Um, now you're standing and fighting. Yes, I'm you're standing not- and fighting. My I am not trying to maneuver, which also means that because I'm immobilized, I can't take a maneuver to aim. Oh, oh my! Because I've been yeah. fending all these blows, I can't move. I'm gonna fight back. Coolness. Um. Yeah, so with this, I would definitely want to um, spend a um, spend a story point here. I and... too would like to, so I'll just <laughs> go ahead and add my green die for that because I, th- I think Hemlock is backed into a corner and he would definitely want to. Yep. Um, fight and these guys well. and these guys are getting they have they know they have you on the ropes they have you backed against a corner and that's why we're upgrading this a little bit and it's getting a little serious. Okay. It's a bit serious. So. Uh... Right now, we're looking at a three yellow, one green uh, on the positive side, and one of each color on the negative side. So, And then, do you have the black setback in there? I do. I have one. Sweet. All right. Oh, you said of one of each color. Duh. Yep. All right. So, I'm going to roll this up. Rock on. All right. First of all, no failures came up. So, what? How about that despair? Nope. Uh, despair did not come up. I rolled, I rolled um, net two threat and four successes. So in this case, four successes plus my uh, martial arts damage, uh, it looks like I'm going to take out uh, probably two minions. Maybe. How much, da- how much damage do you do? Um, it's going to be brawn plus two, so his brawn is three, so a total of five plus four uncanceled successes, total of nine. Total of nine. Okay, well they have a soak of four. Oh, sorry. That's right. Forgot soak. Yep. So there. That's a soak of four. So yeah, you clock one of these guys in the mouth. Totally, totally take him. Totally takes him down. Um, and but th- your threat though <laughs> is you've um you kind of had to overextend yourself and you slipped just a little bit. Um, and you've kind of opened yourself up for this next punch that they're going to get on you. So I'm going to give them a, a boost die to hit you when they go. All right. So I've let my defenses down a, w- a bit because of trying to keep my balance. Yes. Even though you're mobilized, yeah. you know, you're, you're still kind of, you st- you're suffering from that crit. So 
I'm hoping that Hemlock survives. Uh, <laughs> this will, I'm unfortunately, end in a cliffhanger because I'm not going to go back through the this uh, check again. <laughs> uh, so Hemlock will, unfortunately, you'll not know what happens to him. That's right. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because right. Hem- Hemlock makes me roll boring rolls. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that was it was a but it was fairly exciting because I you know I'm picturing the rain I'm picturing the dark the dark alley you know you just getting jumped and I wanna watch Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> now <laughs> I think that's what it made me think of. Um, uh, okay, even though it is set in the seventies and whatever. Um, let's oh, see. Okay. So I have. Gunnery Lieutenant Winchester. He is commanding a deck of cannons on the HMS Surprise. Yes. Nice ship. That's out of that's out of well, it's out of McKeewa's book. And oh, it nice. the um the Brits named that um ship the Surprise when it surprised a um French freighter, I believe. And yes, everybody, I learned that from McKeewa's book. I'm smarter now. <laughs> yes, that 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 little that little tidbit of info was in there. That was just awesome. Nice. So, um, let's see. So, page. So this ship is a. It says here you have it. It's a three masted. Three masted silhouette four surprise class ship with forty four guns, but they're 24, 24 nine pounders on the deck. He's commanding. So there's okay. so there's twelve on each side. So we're mm-hmm. gonna broadside off of the one side. So basically, I have to get my cannoneers back in line right now because we just took a volley of cannon shots out on the open seas here. So I need to make a leadership check to get these guys to listen to me and get nice. in line and and quickly reload these cannons and get this shot off first. Um, so let's see. So. I'm going to make a leadership check against uh-huh. a group. Now, you see I put a group size here of 16 to 50. So picture, I'm picturing, and I don't know much about ships or anything, um, but I do believe seeing some of these movies, there's at least two or Two to three, three men per gun. Two to three men per gun. We have 12 guns, so we're talking at least 24 people. So it's in this daunting leadership check range, okay? Sure. Um, so I've got a presence of three, being a uh-huh. lieutenant, um, and he does have a leadership of two, so I'm going to upgrade those. So I've got two um, two yellow and a green, um, and then I'm going to do a daunting leadership check, which is four. Now, you said that uh, your, you guys had just taken a broadside from the enemy. So, yes, so it's I'm very figuring chaotic. I'll- it's very, loud. very chaotic in here. I, I when I see the ship battles, it's I see smoke. cannonballs coming in. Yes, there's smoke mm. everywhere. Mm. There's people shouting, men dying. I'm gonna give you two setback dice for the circumstances. All right, you're gonna give me two setback dice there. But I remember that uh, Lieutenant Winchester is commanding this group of cannoneers for a reason because he actually has a knack for it. Ah. So he's got an, so I did pick knack for it for leadership and that will remove those two away from me. So maybe he has a big daddy voice <laughs> that everybody <laughs> can hear now all the way to the other end. Um, and I'm gonna spend a story point here to upgrade this check because it's fairly important. I get another shot off. 
Okay. But I don't see a narrative reason for a despair here, so I'm not going to upgrade your uh, difficulty. Okay. Coolness. All right, so I've got three yellow and four purples here. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see what we got. All right, so my threats cancel. My... Okay. So I am left with um, one success, actually. Two of the, two of the um, difficulty die came up negative, came up blank. Um, and I had two threat and two successes um, getting, or two advantage and two other two successes getting canceled out by the um, threat and failures on the other dice. So left with one simple success. That one simple success is all I need <laughs> for these guys to go. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's start putting these cannons in, and we'll be able to. Hopefully, the HMS the HMS surprise will survive. That all right. So that, again, that wasn't too exciting, but it kind of is because I can hear like Pirates of the Caribbean music. Right. No, and, and that's just it. I mean, sometimes the die rolls aren't that exper- aren't that exciting. Sometimes just describing the um, encounter and the yep. uh, the narrative of everything that's going on around makes it feel more exciting than the die roll mm-hmm. is going to leave you with. But that's cool. That's oh. all right. Oh, so and in this case, they, they do hear you and they do just get the cannons in line and yeah. they're, they're not getting anything special out of it, nor are they suffering for it. Nice, nice. Yeah, and the, the surprise class, it was a frigate on page eight of that... Um, what do you call it? On in uh, McKee's uh, document. Awesome. After yeah, it was pretty cool. So right. the HMS Surprise was the name of the Royal Navy gave the French gave to the French Navy's corvette Unte after her capture. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. So very cool. Yep. All right. Awesome stuff. All right. All right so man. that's pretty much it. Shall we head on over and kick this pig? Let's do that. All right, everybody, that's our show. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to the Dragon Toolbox again, Mr. Stefan Dragonspawn, with his random gaming musings and um, his latest blog there. There's always something going on in the city and in the wilds. Hmm. So, yeah, think about that. Um, it's He's at the dragontoolbox.blogspot.com. And okay. Then, and then we also have a couple other things here, Tony. Yep, we have uh, coming up uh, again, as we've talked about before, uh, Nerds International Virtual Con number two, NIFCON two, coming up September 15th and 16th. This will be a virtual convention in which you can get online, play with uh, your hosts, uh, play with the other hosts in the network, play with people in the network, play with people from outside the network. Um, It's a virtual convention. You can attend a convention for free in your underwear. If you want, <laughs> you totally can. Please keep your camera off. <laughs> yeah, typically, typically these games online um, will be either using probably Roll Twenty. More than likely, I mean, we most of them is Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy um, Grounds, use... Roll Twenty, Tabletop Simulator, and there are some people who just that's do true. it over Discord. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, 
Tony and not I just review. playing games. There's also board games uh, on Tabletop Simulator. There's people to get on there. Like last uh, last time, Jamie and Matt Stark and myself and Stefan got on and played Munchkin for several hours. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yep, and it was just a pickup game. It wasn't scheduled, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. get on the Nerds International Discord server, which links are over in the Nerds International community. You will find um, a lot of people are going to be on that weekend on Discord just offering pickup games mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. And and then also uh, there's the signups, and those will be in our show notes for uh, the links for the sign-up. Yep. So. Absolutely, and then in um, and then in November, the eighth through the seventh, and in Richfield, eighth Ohio, eighth through eleventh, dude, eighth through the seventh. <laughs> We're yes, we are going to travel back in time. No, no, <laughs> dude, you got to be a little more optimist, optimistic on that. The November eighth through December seventh, whole month <laughs> well, that, of gaming. That would be sweet, dude. <laughs> uh, I'd be in a coma because we're drinking that entire time. <laughs> yeah, there might be. There might be some spirits. <laughs> partake in <laughs> yeah so that's con and the cob tony and i are both gonna be there um with our nerds international buddies um and andy hop running it cool dude um so yeah come join us there that yep yeah, that's not free and have you figured out what you're gonna run yet dude i don't know if i'm gonna run any i don't know if i'm gonna run anything i know we're doing the co-gming thing yep. um i know and then I'm also running um, my Vanguard Squadron uh, again, a new adventure in Vad- Vanguard Squadron. See, I signed up for all that stuff. I don't think I gave myself time. Oh, well, you know that's I mean? cool. That's cool. Hey, you can be the board game guru and teach people how to play Epic Epic Spell Wars because yes, I can. Your house rules for that game are pretty damn awesome. I know. <laughs> and my, you know, my guy, I got my wife playing it, and she's like, "What is this game?" And then she loves it. And I told her the house rules. She's like, "I'm so not going to do that." And she kind of did it, <laughs> and she kind of didn't. <laughs> so, yes, honey. I, I know you'll never probably listen to this, but or this far into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yep. So, yeah, uh, that's you can find out awesome. about all this stuff and all kinds of cool other things going on in our community over at the Google Plus Nerds International with a hyphen community a uh, great network full of awesome people and awesome shows and blogs mm-hmm. uh, you can get a hold of chris and i on f- uh via email at finding the narrative at gmail.com finding the narrative podcast at gmail.com sorry yep. uh you can uh also finding the narrative on facebook talk to me and i share everything on there with chris yep. Uh, you can leave us comments on YouTube. Uh, we are getting those now. Uh, they were going to our junk folder, but we're getting them now. I moved them so that they won't go there. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube at Finding the Narrative Podcast. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, that's it. And uh, this is Tony saying keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Good night. Have a good one. Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.